Hey, welcome back to episode 78 of Strange Days, and this is part two of our series on simplicity, and we're calling today's episode, You Are What You Own. And as soon as I say that, I reckon many of us, the majority of us maybe would, in a sense, reject this statement or say that we at least don't judge other people's value by what they own, or what they wear, or anything like that. And in many ways, I reckon most of us would say, hey, we loathe that idea. Uh, now, hold on to that. Uh, backing up yesterday, we, we spoke about the fact that Jesus calls us to a life of generosity, a life of simplicity in many ways. I think generosity, we all say yes to. Simplicity, a lot of us say, oh, did he really say that? Um, but essentially, um, the world is very opposite this. The world tells us in many ways, calls us to a life of accumulation, of material gain, wealth and possessions, other things. And uh, the latter is, is often pitched as the good life, right? Um, but Jesus actually says that the world's version of the good life is actually a pathway to many traps, to a life that pulls you away from true life, from true happiness, from true transformation by and true uh, relationship with the God of the universe. And Jesus would claim actually that his way of generosity and simplicity is actually the good life. And so materialism in our world is pitched as the way to joy. And today we want to continue to examine uh, the worldview and the ideas that shape us and put pressure on us every day. And today we're going to consider that materialism not only is uh, pitched as the path to joy, but also it's, it's one of identity. And it was a, a French sociologist who, who made the claim that in the Western world, and, and I would extend that and say um, those parts of the world influenced strongly by the West, Cape Town included, uh, materialism has become the dominant system of meaning. And his argument that John Marcoma is mentioning in his book, The Ruth's Elimination of Hurry, is that atheism has not necessarily replaced Christianity in the West. Shopping has. Now, now I wouldn't be so cut and dry to just say it like that, although it is a provocative statement. Um, I'd probably say several currents and ideologies and ideas have and are busy colliding against Christianity, but his point still stands. We typically, in many ways, find our identity far much more in our material possessions than we do in what other cultures would have found uh, meaning and identity in their family, tradition, religion. And we get our identity from what we buy and sell. Although, as I said before, we, we don't admit this. We don't, uh, we, we don't say it out loud, but often deep down, I think we do believe that we are what we buy or we are what we wear or my, my brand of phone, or the car I drive, or the area or city in which I live in, or the gadgets I have, or the things that I collect. And these, most of the time, are simply not just things. This is the big idea. They are actually identities. Okay, think about it. So often we buy certain clothes so that we are thought of as to be one of those people, whatever that might be. And I even think of myself in this category here um, with buying my Star Wars t-shirts, which I actually haven't bought for a while now, but I've got a lot from previous buying. And, you know, I, I like to be able to be identified as a fan of Star Wars and people can know me and, and put me into a little group and say, ha, that is, that's who he is. My clothes do tell a story, um, at least if, you, if, if it's the clothes that you have the privilege of buying yourself. And these things, here's the thing, they don't simply create identities. Actually, we often buy things because we ourselves are trying to craft and create the identity of our choice. And here's a great quote from, from Comer's book when it, he talks about shopping and materialism um, and the, the fact that it's this whole 
system of meaning and identity. He says, shopping is now the number one leisure activity in America, usurping the place previously held by religion. And then this is what he says. Amazon is the new temple. Your visa statement, your credit card statement is the new altar. Double-clicking is the new liturgy. And lifestyle bloggers are the new priests and priestesses. And money is the new god. And I would say, hey, money actually isn't the new god. Money is a very old god. And it's worth remembering that Jesus called out money specifically as a god. It's the only other god that he called out by name in, 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 in the Gospels. Remember what he said. He said, you can't worship God. And what did he say? And money. Case in point, he's saying, hey, money can be worshipped. Money is another god. It is a false god. And so we need to recognize and come to an appreciation of the fact that you and I have been idolaters. And that is, that is the word to use. That's the biblical word for this. It's the framework that Tim Keller often uses um, in his preaching. And we right now need to take a long, hard look at our lives, our bank statements, our wardrobes, our possessions, and ask, hey, who am I? Who am I trying to be? And why? And what does that tell me about who I'm actually worshiping or what I'm actually worshiping? Because it's tempting to worship this God of money and be given new identities. But as we said last episode, we know, or at least we can know, and history and culture show us all the time, that these gods fail. Right? They're never enough. We can never keep up the sacrifices that these gods and these identities demand. And that's the good news of the gospel. That instead of trying to achieve an identity through work and success and the creation of an image... Hey, we recognize that we are already images. We are images of the one true God that he created. And this God has died for our rebellion and our sin and our rejection of him and the role that he gave us to play. And he died to reconcile us to himself so that he can now adopt us as his children. And we can receive that identity as saints and children of God, children of the Most High, children of light, the Bible calls it. And this is an identity that we can never lose. Because it's an identity that's received, not created. And that's the good news. That's why we want to go on this journey of examining our hearts and examining our wardrobes. Jesus, the truth is, Jesus has true life for you and I. And so I want to keep inviting you on the journey uh, to, to keep opening yourself up to him as I'm trying to open myself up to him. So let's today maybe go and reflect on, hey, what is my wardrobe and my, my bank statement say about where I find meaning and who am I trying to be and who am I trying to be that for and why and let's do a bit of self-examination father thank you for the good news of the identity that we can receive that we could never earn and so we ask open our eyes to where we truly find our value and our meaning what truly validates us Father, help us to, like Paul was leading us in last week, help us to explore our shadow here in this area. Help us to unearth where we truly are placing our faith and what we're truly giving power over us. And free us, we ask God, as we come to realize um, the times when our faith actually is in other things other than you. And we ask you to just keep, keep working in us, keep guiding us. Amen.